Hi, I'm Jackie Tantillo, and this is Should Have Listened to My Mother. Parents aren't perfect. Often their intentions are good. Not wanting to hurt their child's feelings is probably one of the most commonly overused excuses adults use when they themselves are fearful of being honest with their child. I believe that most parents make their decisions out of love for their son or daughter, but is that what's always best for the child? My guest has a lot to share regarding these topics of honesty, truth, love, and family, and what or who constitutes family. Carlene Montes de Oca is an award-winning author, TEDx speaker, former licensed acupuncturist, and an animal-human health expert. Carlene is the founder of the Animal-Human Health Connection and the author of Dog is My Doctor, Cat is My Nurse, and Pause for the Good Stuff. She's recently released her new book, Junkyard Girl, a memoir of ancestry, family secrets, and second chances. Carlene Montes de Oca, I love your name, <laughs> welcome to Should Have Listened to My Mother. Thank you so much, Jackie. It's such a pleasure to be here. Is there a translation for your last name, Montes de Oca? There is. There is an area in north central Spain in the Basque area called Montes de Oca. And Montes means mountains, de means of, and Oca is a bird that kind of looks a bit like a goose. And so, therefore, a lot of my friends call me Carlene Goose Hill because Carlene Montes de Oca. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> as long as they're your good friends. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> so, here we are today to talk about your life and how things present themselves, perhaps when we least expect it. You went and took a test for fun, as you have said. And how about we maybe kind of start there with a little bit of background before we start talking about your mom? Sure. Well, the test that you're referring to is a DNA test, one of those commercial DNA tests that people take. And yeah, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be fun to take a test in and see what my lineage is? I mean, I grew up Mexican-American. I was first generation. And all of my cousins were taking the test. Also, there was a Jewish lineage on my mother's side, and I was always very curious. Well, how much Jewish am I? And my cousins were coming in at 40%, and I thought, oh, isn't that interesting? When I took the test, I came in at 3% Jewish, and I was like, oh, that's very odd. But I was really busy at that time, and I didn't really have a lot of time to look at the results on that test except to to just see kind of the obvious. If I had taken a little extra time, I would have seen that there was a little section that said, this person is very closely related to you. And I did see the name on it, but it wasn't a name I recognized. And if I had looked, it, I would have seen that it said she could potentially be a sibling. And a few weeks passed by, Somebody con contacted me, this guy contacted me on Facebook and sent me a private message and said to me, boy, you look a lot like my wife. And I thought, gosh, what a flirt this person is. <laughs> <laughs> another wacko. <laughs> I know, another one. But I, and I set it aside, but he kept saying things like, oh, don't you think, don't you think? And he sends me a picture of this woman 
And I said, I looked at her and I said, you know, I think the only resemblance I have with your wife is that we shop for glasses at the same store. Oh my and, God. Then, and then he responded, well, ancestry DNA says different. And sure enough, his wife was the woman whose name came up on my ancestry results. She contacted me uh, several, uh, about a week later, and, and she was very nice, very nice and very respectful, didn't want to invade my privacy. But she said, do you know, like, I don't have any family. Maybe, you know, you might know some of these people. And at the time, I looked at all of that and said, well, you know, I don't know any of these people, but my siblings are a lot older than me. So maybe, who knows, somebody had an affair down the line. And I, I thought, well, okay, well, I'll go find out. And my parents had passed by then, by, you know, they had passed quite a, quite a while before. And I started to notice that my siblings were being really kind of oddly quiet as I would tell them like, hey, do you know this person? Do you know this, recognize this name? And about a week later, my sister flew out to Santa Fe where I live. And she said, something important has happened. Something big has happened in our family and I have to talk to you about it. And then she sat me down and she said, Carlene, you're adopted. And that's where that all began. So how long ago was this that you had this sit down with your sister? Three and a half years ago. <clears throat> so what does one do when confronted <laughs> with something as insignificant as this? <laughs> well, I can tell you what happened to me, which was it was all quite surreal. And I've rethought re the story over and over because it felt like everything slowed down to slow motion when that happened. In fact, I remember sitting in the chair and my sister was sitting across from me and she couldn't even tell me what had happened. She started crying just and pulled out these, these pages from her purse and said, I had to write these all on the plane because I knew I couldn't tell you. And she told me the story, which was that, you know, 57 years before, my mother and I lived in, or my parents lived in Southern California in a small town named Carpinteria. They had, my mother had gone to visit a friend of hers in neighboring Santa Barbara. And she heard a woman crying outside of her house. And she said to this, she said, when her friend came to the door, who's this woman? Do you know her? And she said, oh yes, that's my cousin. She's here from Chicago and she's here because she wants me to help her get an abortion. You know, she already has two kids. She's not married. She's got a third one on the way, but I'm not going to help her. And this is the 60s. So abortions were, you know, illegal everywhere at that time. And my mother went home. She talked to my dad, came back 24 hours later and said to this perfect stranger, we'll adopt your child. We'll raise your child and then took that mother, her two kids, and me in, you know, in the womb here to live with them for six months, and then took care of the mother for two months after that, then gave them money to go back to Chicago. And my parents were not wealthy people by any stretch you know, of the imagination. They already had three children. But when I heard this story, I think that was even a bigger shock to me. You know, the words, the words adoption were huge, the words abortion only because 
I, I'm all about women's rights and a woman has a right to do whatever she wants with her body, but it's, it's, you know, I wasn't a fetus, you know, I'm, I'm a grown human who has had a very fulfilling life and look, looking back on it, thought I almost didn't have a life. And so these were the thoughts that were going through my head and, and just feeling like I had just, I was looking out over this entire scene from above because I just felt so disconnected to my body and to everything I had ever known. And felt like all the pieces of my of my identity were scattered everywhere and another strange thing that happened this happened to me one time when i had a car accident i stopped being able it was like i couldn't hear i didn't want to hear like things sounded painful to me and it was the same thing i could hear my sister telling me the story but my ears were muffled and i almost i could see her mouthing the words but i almost couldn't hear her so i think that's what shock does to you like an out-of-body experience almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is such an emotional experience for so many reasons. Here you are um, as an adult hearing that all that you thought that was true was not. Your whole world was rocked. How many siblings do you have? I have two. I have a sister and two brothers that I lived that were our family. And then my father, there were two other siblings that lived in Mexico that were a lot older. And how old were your siblings when your parents brought your biological mother into their home? My brother, oldest brother was 14. 13 was my next brother. And my sister was nine. And I I always think of this because I imagine after I was told what happened that the, that the three of them were, my sister said the three of them were around my crib when I was brought in and my mother said to them, this is your new sister. You will never tell her she's adopted because if you do, there are people out there who would want to hurt her. And the reason they said that was, again, it's the 60s. People did not look at children out of wedlock in a positive way. They also were immigrants from Mexico where the rules were a lot tighter there and really children out of wedlock were not looked at fondly and they did not want that stigma to follow me. Mm -hmm. So that's where the secrecy began and never changed. Your biological mom, she was from Chicago, but where was she originally from? Is she Mexican-American well, as well? Yes, yes. That's why when I looked at the results of it, I was I thought, oh, well, okay. But where's the Jewish part? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. This is a lot to process. So at this very minute, now that you've had some time to process it, are you like, oh, what's the big deal? This is the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Uh, I wish you had told me, but I'm glad you didn't. Where are you right now at this moment, emotionally? It's a paradox because it's definitely not where I am. Uh, but I also think that life works in mysterious ways and it gives you the information you need exactly at the right time. So I will say that the first year was really hard. I, I, I come from tough stock. My parents are both very tough people, very strong people. And they pretty much taught us to be that way. But it, this is this is tough stuff. This is tough. And every what they call LDAs, which are late discovery adoptees that I've been in contact with, pretty much feel the same way that it's 
very hard to have the rug pulled out from under you and to lose your identity in a snap of the fingers like in that way. So I would say that the first year was hard, but it was. I'm also the kind of person who has to go out there and learn the truth no matter what. It's like, even if it's bad, if it's a bad truth, I need to know. And I, I uh, took that year to also learn and interview people and found my birth mother and, and many, many other things. Year two, I got my dog, Grace, and I've always been somebody who believes that animals have a really powerful way of helping humans heal. And I've had a very strong connection to animals my whole life. So I adopted a dog and that helped me a great deal. And year three and year two and year three is when I I wrote my book. And writing to me is the way I make sense of the world, is how it's how I understand things and that went a long way to help me get to the point that I am now. So if I were to say where am I now, it's I still think of this. I feel a great appreciation and gratitude towards my parents and in particular my mother who she and I grew up at odds. I mean we were in conflict 24-7 but suddenly when I learned this, it was like everything dropped away. I suddenly realized how grateful I was to her and that she did what she did for me. So I I think year three, I'm in a greater sense of gratitude than I ever have. You had written to me saying that your mom was overprotective and there were some words that she kept repeating. Was it the night before your wedding or the morning yes. after you had been married? Can you share that story? Sure. Basically, I, I was trying to think right now because my husband and I have been together for 20 years. So 20 years ago, um, I, I met the love of my life. I mean, I, I feel like I won the cosmic lottery when I met this man. He's just my true soulmate. And we decided to get married. But my mother had gotten sick and she had liver cirrhosis, which is usually a disease that people get when they are, you know, consume alcohol in excess, but she never did. So we never could quite figure out how she got this disease. The thing was that she started to get sicker and sicker and sicker. And I, I you know, I wanted to postpone the wedding, but my family felt like, no, no, she would want you to, to go through with this. We need this as a family. Please don't change it. So the day came for our wedding and my mother was on her deathbed. She was in my, in, in her house, but she was on, I mean, she barely, she was coming in and out of consciousness. And I was just sitting there in the next room wondering, how can I get married when my mother is, I don't even know if she'll be alive, you know, in a couple of days, you know, she was so ill, but the, when she finally towards the end here, all she kept saying, she'd wake up for like a moment and say to my father who wouldn't leave her side, are they married yet? Are they married yet? And he would say, no, Mary, they're not married yet, not yet. And basically the moment we said our I do's that night, my sister raced back to tell my dad, they're married, they're married. And he whispered into my mother's ear, Mary, they're married now. And he said that he heard her just sigh and that was the last time she he heard anything. The next morning, she passed away. Oh, wow. Yeah, she passed away. The mo And I, I always wondered, my mother had been so overprotective of me my whole life. And that's part of the reason we clashed so much. 
And I always wondered when that happened, when she passed away, why did she feel the need to protect me so much? I mean, to that point. And of course, at that point, I did not know that I was adopted and her reasoning behind always feeling that she needed to protect me. So I imagine this is coming from a place from your mom, coming from a place of utter love. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yet it's those misunderstandings, teens and, and parents, that cause the biggest problems or the miscommunication. Mm -hmm. Is your father still with us? No, he passed away as well. So was it this idea or decision to adopt you? Was that your mom just said, this is what we're doing? Or <laughs> did she <laughs> go home and say, honey? <laughs> now, what do you think? I, well, first of all, the words honey never came out of my mother's mouth. <laughs> uh, I believe that the way that the story was told to me was that my mother went back and, and pretty much, I mean, my, my parents were both very strong people, but there were, uh, I, when my mother needed to get her way, she would. And so I think she just went back and said to my father, this is a situation and this is what I want to do. And one thing to note about my parents is they came from Mexico because my mother had um, had had issues having children. And to her, having children was the most important thing. I think that is the thing that that gave her purpose in life. And she wanted to see her children do well, but she couldn't conceive and she had some problems with that. So they came to America with pretty much just the clothes on their backs and, you know, a little suitcase to try to see doctors who would help them and here. And so to them having, you know, they, they relocated to a whole other country to be able to have this dream for them. So um, I think my father knew how much that meant. They had also lost a child, you know, that their one child they had, they had, um, that child had passed away. Um, and, you know, as, as a, I think an 18 month old. So I think my father understood when he came to children that that was important for my mother. And all of a sudden, there's a new sibling in the house. Did this raise any eyebrows with, with anybody? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure this is like the silliest of the details that I, I have so many questions to ask. But I mean, your brothers and sisters had to make stuff up or what did they say? Or well, this is another, yes, this is another <laughs> thing about my parents. They were the patriarch and the matriarch of a very large extended family. I have 63 first cousins. And by the way, most of those 63 first cousins knew I was adopted, but never told me. So they had this huge, you know, network of family and the family went also into Mexico. So it was a very, very um, big family. And yet there was a there were things understood in the family that were said and that were not said. Right. So nobody would ever. In fact, this is kind of a funny thing. One of my cousins said to me when I started asking all of them, he said to me, oh, yeah, you know, I knew. And he said, this is what I know. And he started sharing me with me some information. And at that point, I sort of started making a joke with all my cousins because they started telling each other, oh, she'll call you. She's going to call you. And I'd call and then I'd say, you know what? 
thanks for not telling me. I am so going to kick your ass. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they would start laughing. And well, this cousin, this cousin said to me, he, I said, you know, I said, Jesse, you know what? I said, thanks for not telling me I'm going to kick your ass. And he goes, well, I'd rather you try to kick my ass than your mother would try to kick oh. my ass. <laughs> oh my gosh that is very funny oh, yeah you so have to find of, some brevity in 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 all of this in hindsight you right? do you do and and that but that's the kind of control they had it was an unspoken control with this family yeah i can see sense and feel that right it was the honor the honor mm -hmm. and the bond of family sometimes a knife can cut through it and and sometimes you know to not so there's has to be respect toward toward that toward their commitment of the family. It's hard for me to put it, this all together. I can only imagine what it was like for you. <laughs> Did you go through periods of rage with your siblings? I'm assuming you've gone through every range of emotion. I never knew there were so many emotions. Yeah, good for you. Uh, <laughs> and yet that is the thing that I knew at least having lived on this planet uh, to this age I realized there is no, I grew up suppressing so many emotions and realized that is never the way to deal, at least for me, with anything that comes into play. So I, oddly enough, I had no anger towards my parents for not telling me. Not, in fact, today I was taking a hike and I thought, gosh, it's so un unusual. I mean, I don't feel any anger towards them. I did feel disappointment. And at times I do feel angry at my siblings for not telling me because I just can't imagine that if the shoes were, or if you know, we were in reverse positions that I would not tell them. I get it that they didn't tell me while my parents were alive. I get that. But it's been a long time since my parents passed away. And I think what happens is we get into these molds where, well, you know, why should we tell her now? And they, they, they all have said, well, we sort of stopped thinking about it. Right, Which, it wasn't an issue anymore, it, maybe. No, them. but to them, to <laughs> right, them, to right? Them. <laughs> but, and we've had, and I can tell because when I talk to them how it's upsetting to them to see how hurt I am. Or I remember with my sister, finally, I think I kept asking her, why didn't you tell me why? I would have told you and I could see how upset she gets because she felt that her primary motive or her primary thing to do was to protect me, just like my mother had said, and she thought she had done that. So, you know, I, I get that. I understand that. Your adoptive mom, or how do you, do you just call your mother, your mother, you mentioned her name twice, Mary, the one that agreed yes. to take you. That's yes. your mother. She's your mother, that not your adoptive mother. mother. No, but oddly, my, uh, my birth mother's name, Maria. Wow. And You've yet to even meet your biological mom yet. So tell us what that first encounter was like. Yeah, that was a, a very an unbelievable thing. Basically, uh, I the woman who we shot for glasses at the same store woman, she at the beginning whose husband reached out to me, she ended up being my half-sister. She was my a sibling. And I reached out to her to tell her what I had discovered. And probably two weeks later, and I had asked her at that time, do you know what, because she was estranged from my biological mother. And she said, I don't know what happened to her. She was bipolar. She had bipolar disease or, you know, she wasn't sure she was mentally ill. And that 
the mother stopped wanting to see her, you know, would send her away and was living in a shoddy Chicago hotel. And at a certain point, she never knew what happened to her. So, but then suddenly an attorney had reached out to her and said, your mother is in a state hospital in Chicago and she's on hospice. So I asked her, do you think you'll go see her? And she said, yes, do you want to come? And so three days later, you know, this is this has all happened maybe three weeks before that I found all this, you know, three weeks later, I hop on a, Chicago, a flight to Chicago to meet my biological mother. And um, so the state hospital is what you might imagine a state hospital, mm-hmm. you know, it was a very, um, it was a very surreal experience just being there. But then when they pushed my birth mother out, she in on this wheelchair that was huge, and she looked like this really tiny little elf. And I kept in my head, I kept saying, No, this can't be her. This can't be my birth mother. This, this can't be her because I did not look one iota like her, like nothing. I, I could just tell, like, and I had seen pictures of her, and I just kept saying, You know, there's that denial that goes on in your mind this can't be true. This can't be true. And the other part of it was she had severe dementia or, you know, advanced dementia. So she didn't even know who my half sister was and my, she had raised my half sister. So I will say, I think that I'm a pretty compassionate person. I connect with people very well. And I always find some commonality or something to grasp onto. And I just couldn't find it. I just, and I don't know if that was just a shield I had, but I kept trying to somehow Because you think to yourself, this woman gave birth to me. I should have some connection. But nothing, nothing. So that's what that was like. But on the other hand, it's interesting. I met an aunt, my birth mother's sister. And when she saw me and just looking at her, she came up to me and she said, can you ever forgive her for what she did to you? And I just looked at her and she said, and I said, you know, there's nothing to forgive. Because that was the moment I realized wow, as much as I had been angry at my parents growing up and fought with my mother, I would not have been the person I was now. I would not have had the same experiences. I might not even have survived. I mean, I could have been, you know, not in this world if I, if my mother hadn't just stepped up and said, we'll adopt your child. Brava. Mary. (laughs) She's an angel. Oh, my gosh. A woman of conviction. She did not hesitate. How the clarity, the power, the wisdom, the heart, the love. All of that. Yes. And you got all of that. And then some. And I'm not saying this was easy. I know it was really complicated and really hard at times. But there's a good side to it, too. You're very lucky. I would say you're lucky. Do you think you're lucky? I do. I definitely think that I just think somebody mentioned when this they heard this whole story, they said, I think the, like the divine hand has been like reaching out to you and moving you along in life. And I think that so, you know, can you imagine that one second if my mother had not shown up to that, you know, her friend's house in that second, I would have had a whole other story. I, you know, I'm happily in love and been married for 20 years and I would never have met that, you know, that man. I have two stepchildren who I adore. I would never have had them. I mean, it's it's a one of those odd things that makes me think a lot like if in that moment things had not gone in that way, 
what would I have become? Who would I have been? So yes, I am lucky. Yeah, <laughs> it, I, yes, it, but it doesn't matter, right? Right here, right now, you've gone through this monumental emotional awakening, and um, and I'm so happy that you've embraced it and you've taken the time to have the clarity. Um, and there's my dog barking in the background. <laughs> and I want to mention, because I love how you, your, your adoptive dog, Grace, she was adoptive. And you kind of ha- mentioned the similarities between the two of you, how it took her a couple of years to really open up and trust you and your husband. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? And you yeah. felt that you had that same kind of transition of your, your new learning and your new consciousness, but you had each other to to go through it together. We did. We, you know, it it took her, you know, I always find that it's interesting how love and patience and kindness and compassion and all of those good, you know, words and qualities that humanity has, you know, if we can channel that, like, for example, into a dog like Grace, who had so much trauma. She was part of a hoarding situation here in northern New Mexico, and they had over 100 hoarded dogs in really terrible, terrible situation. And so, yeah, we gave her all of that. And she has God, she is the loveliest dog. There isn't a day that goes by that people don't comment on her and how much she has changed. And I think that too, you know, when we can channel that kind of love into each other, you know, that, that it's extremely healing, extremely healing. So Grace, you know, I, yeah, we, I was adopted, she was adopted and uh, together we helped each other yeah. heal. Your mom helped you. And helped you find your path, whether it was the the rugged road for a while, and you have been there for Grace and many other animals because you're a total animal lover. My guest, Carlene Montes de Oca, and your new memoir just recently released, Junkyard Girl, a memoir of ancestry, family secrets, and second chances. Thank you so much for joining me on Should Have Listened to My Mother. Thank you, Jackie. And for all of my listeners and for Carlene's relatives that are in the Ventura, California area, you can always listen to, should have listened to my mother on KPPQLP, which is 104.1 FM. And it streams on the MyTuner app and on capsmedia.org forward slash radio. Hope to talk to you soon, Carlene. Thank you, Jackie.